Welcome to Total Health Transformation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Danny Scarhill. Dr. Danny is a doctor of chiropractic, an author, speaker, and trainer. And on the THT Podcast, he interviews other health experts to glean further insights that will help you achieve total health transformation. Welcome to the Total Health Transformation Podcast. My name is Dr. Danny Scarhill, the founder of dannyscarhill.com, the author of Total Health Transformation, the proven system to unlock limitless energy, motivation, and health, and the creator of the Total Health Transformation programs. Let's get straight into it on this episode. Welcome to this episode of the THT Podcast. We've got another fantastic guest for you today, and her name is Sarah Habubi. And she's got a varied and wide set of qualifications. She has a degree in environmental building services engineering from the University of Bath, postgraduate certificate in business admin from Uni of Leicester, and a first class master's degree in adult learning and development from Galway University. She's worked around the world as a consultant engineer and project manager until 2002, when she changed career path to pursue NLP. She's an NLP master practitioner and trainer accredited with the ANLP in the UK. She's the founder of Quantum Leaps NLP Training School and also a partner in Jumpstarting Learning Skills. Alongside her formal academic qualifications, she also studies, she's also studied anatomy and physiology, motivational interviewing for addiction, and many more modalities that help her to help as many people as possible. Welcome to the THT podcast, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Danny. How are you? Very well, indeed. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get to where you are today? And then we'll get stuck into uh, some of the other content. Um, so in 2002, I was um, working as an engineer. And my life at that point uh, completely fell apart. My um, relationship at that time, my marriage uh, disintegrated. And I went into a real state of depression. And I really didn't know how to get out of it. And I tried lots and lots of different things. And then somebody who was an NLP trainer, um, I happened to have a chat with her one day and she explained how it worked very briefly. And then I had a session with her and I was just blown away. I was just completely gobsmacked by how logical and easy it was. And I didn't have to get into stories and I didn't have to get into the whole past and everything else. And it worked very, very quickly. And I was, because of my engineering brain, I like um, to solve puzzles and problems. And I felt that these gave real, very real practical tools um, to be able to empower people so they can actually solve their own problems themselves rather than being labeled or having to sit and talk about things week in, week out, year, you know, month in, month out, year on, year out, um, hoping those problems will disappear. So I pursued that and I did all the training and that's what I've been doing for the last 18 years. And I've um, helped thousands and thousands of people and uh, trained hundreds um, in this as well. Excellent. Good stuff. So for those that perhaps might not have heard of NLP, what is it? It's the worst name for the most amazing system. So it stands for <laughs> Neuro Linguistic Programming. And essentially it is about our nervous system, how we bring information in from the outside world into our bodies and into our minds. And then as a result of, of how we filter that information, because we don't all see the world or experience the world the same way, we've got these filters that creates an internal reality. And that's, that's the reality that, you know, we're actually living in. We're not really living out there. It's, it's our perception that creates our reality. And that 
drives our emotions and our emotions drive our physical responses. So it looks at actually how can we change and adapt our filters so that we can have the best experiences we possibly can. We can actually um, change those filters. We just have to know where to go. Most people think they have to change the outside world um, or their behavior in order to be happy and actually achieve you know, what they want in life. But the reality is that takes a huge amount of effort and energy to change the outside world. And often it doesn't really work. So we get very frustrated and very angry. So we have to keep bringing it back to ourselves. And what can we do within ourselves to actually create that, that calm and that space and that what, whatever emotion it is you actually want to be experiencing, we have to look at how are we responsible for that? How can we actually bring that and actually have that locus of control within ourselves? So NLP, it's, it's not one thing. When people say, I don't like NLP, it's like, well, which bit of it do you not like? Because um, NLP is actually a, a huge toolbox. It's, it's kind of a methodology. It's an understanding of how the mind works. And then it's a huge toolbox of different tools and techniques and strategies that actually come from some very, very, very well-renowned uh, psychotherapists and uh, practitioners um, from around the world, you know, over many years. And it's been around since the 70s. So this is not a new thing. And there's an awful lot of research actually into it and that it works. And a lot of the techniques themselves have been well researched before they were adapted and adopted by NLP. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is um, a massive tool bag of different uh, tools to help a variety of things, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. It's, it, it's, not, it's not one thing. So when people think of NLP, often, you know, there are a, a lot of people who think they know what NLP is because they've heard about it. And unfortunately, um, some of it is quite negative and they think it's manipulative and they think it's only salespeople who use it. I actually read a very disturbing uh, article and it was saying that Boris Johnson was using NLP in his language patterns. And the reality is, well, linguistic programming, so NLP, that the linguistic side of it is very important. It's understanding the role that language plays in our reality and in terms of our experiences. Um, but what Boris Johnson has been doing and what a lot of governments and organizations have been doing around the world is not NLP. Um, it's just an understanding of the power of language and how it can be used in a positive or a negative way. But that's not, uh, that's not specific to NLP. So I was a little bit disturbed to see that because I thought, well, then that's somebody who doesn't understand what NLP actually is. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because I've heard uh, other people say that uh, Boris has been modeling the body language and the kind of communication style of Winston Churchill. Um, I don't watch the news at all, so I don't know whether that's true or not. Have you noticed that at all? I would say, yeah, he probably has, uh, but he's not able to pull it off because um, the reality is um, NLP is all about modeling, actually. That's, that's how it really kind of originated was the, uh, the people who were there on the ground at the beginning. Um, they looked at people who were really, really successful in terms of helping people overcome um, emotional, mental and psychological issues really, really quickly. But modeling is not just by observing somebody. You have to actually understand their beliefs, their value system, their emotional state that they're in when they're doing something. It's a very, very complex process. You can't just copy somebody um, and expect to get the same results because actually everything we do is driven by intention. So if... if um, Boris Johnson's intention is just purely to get people to try and rally around him the way that uh, Winston Churchill did in uh, in the Second World War to kind of you know round, you know gather the 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 emotional kind of uh, strength of the country and kind of raise everybody up that way. Um, Winston Churchill would have had a very different intention. 
if this is just to mimic that in order to get people to comply and to just to follow along, then the intention is going to actually shine through. It doesn't matter what he does in terms of mimicking and copycatting somebody because people do pick up on things unconsciously as well. And our beliefs and our value systems do come through in terms of how we behave, not just what we say. Absolutely. 100%. So a lot of people are very stressed right now with the last five, six months of all the lockdown and all that sort of stuff. What is the impact of this stress on our health from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, you know, our, our model of the world, the way that we see the world impacts, you know, our emotional state and how we feel emotionally has a direct and instantaneous impact on how we are physically feeling. So, um, you know, you can do this yourself right now and anyone who's watching this, which is to just have a really positive thought. It doesn't have to be happening right here, right now, but just have something that either has happened in your life or something that you imagine happening that is really, really positive. And when you have a really positive thought, immediately you have a very positive emotion. And when we have a positive emotion, our body starts to relax the muscles start to relax and we start to function in a much healthier way. You know, they've done a lot of studies in terms of the impact of stress on the body. Um, and so when we're, when we're de-stressed, when we're calm, it means the opposite. It means the body can actually start to come out of that inflammatory mode. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not just about positive thinking, having a positive mental attitude, and then everything's fine. It's just about becoming aware of the impact that our thoughts have on our emotions and our emotions have on our body. And of course, it works the other way as well, which is if you're not very well, if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating properly, if you're not looking after yourself physically, it's very hard to be happy. It's very hard to feel emotionally good. Um, and as far as I know, you know, 80% of our serotonin is actually produced in the gut. So if you're not looking after your gut, if you're not actually you know, eating, when you know this, if you're not uh, got all the good bacteria, and everything else in there, then it's actually very hard to produce the chemical that actually makes us feel happy. So we can go into situations then in a very low mood. And when we do that, when we go into something um, and we're already in a negative state and then we have a negative experience, it just adds on to that. So we really want to make sure that from an NLP point of view, because I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not an exercise guru or anything else. I mean, I'm interested in those things, but that's not my area. But my area is actually the mental and emotional um, well-being. And when we can change that, when we can start to bring our focus and attention actually more to the present moment, what's happening right now, right here, actually what most people realize is right here in this moment, we're okay. We are actually safe. So most people spend a lot of their time either in the past, you know, it's the if only game, if only I'd done this, or if only this happened, 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 or if only, if only, if only. And, and what's happening with the body then is that we're, even though it's something from the past, the body then thinks it's happening now because our bodies don't know the difference between reality or imagination. It's just simply responding to the emotional response. And of course, if we're in the future saying, what if, what if this happens and what if that happens and we go into a very negative um, you know, future that we're imagining a very negative future, then the body again doesn't know if this is real or imagined and it just goes into that state because that's what it's designed to do. We're designed to release those chemicals that are um, that help us to go into a fight flight freeze or even appease mode okay 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 you know um to just get out of what we would perceive as danger so at the moment a lot of people are being bombarded um you know with a lot of messages that are designed and deliberately designed to make us feel very afraid and very stressed 
And the problem with that is then we're, we're triggering our stress response towards something that we can't even see. We don't even know if it's real, but the body doesn't know the difference. So it's just going into that high stress, you know, a lot. And the problem with that is that that reduces our, it lowers our immune system. It can, you know, high levels of stress can then increase the risk of, you know, cardiac problems. So from a, a physical health point of view, you know, our mental health is absolutely crucial. It is vital. And uh, particularly for young people now about to go back into school, you know, the situations are going to be extremely stressful for them, which is unnecessary because we do know people under 65, it's a very, very low risk. And, uh, you know, we've got majority of teachers and students will be under that age range. So it's about how do we be, and, and of course, if you think about that students stressed, they're not going to be able to learn very well. You know, our brains don't function uh, in a uh, effective way when we're when we're in fear mode. And in actual fact, we, we have a, a, an inverse relationship between two parts of our brain, the amygdala and the hippocampus. So in the amygdala, our fight response uh, center, when that's triggered and is, is activated, our hippocampus, which is our learning organ, actually gets shut, temporarily shut down. So if anyone's had that experience of going completely blank in an exam or a test or a, an argument, you know, something where there was a lot of stress and kind of that panic, that panic mode. Um, it's because the amygdala was triggered and the, the, our bodies are designed not to remember how to do a maths equation uh, when we're uh, thinking we're in danger and we need to run away. Um, so it just, we don't use, you know, we just redirect the energy away from that. So if we want people to be thinking clearly and, and effectively and actually calmly and begin to get themselves out of whatever situation they're in, find a new solution, we have to calm down. We have to be able to just bring everything down to a very balanced level. Absolutely. Some great points there. So in terms of words and their power and how they're used in messaging, what's the significance of that? Yeah. So this is really, really interesting because when you, when you learn about NLP and you learn about the, the language um, aspect of the, uh, of the sort of the toolbox, you start to actually realize that most of us actually don't really re no, don't notice that we're using language ineffectively that we're not actually we're not actually saying what we we think we're saying and sometimes what we're listening to what we're hearing is quite vague so in nlp there's two types of language patterns that we look at we look at how can we um drill down into something so some so if something's very abstract and we don't quite understand the details of it we we want to be able to get out of that kind of abstract and too much information mode and go down into the specifics of it so we can really understand it um, and that really helps to get rid of any ambiguity. And there's an awful lot of ambiguity that's being delivered at the moment in terms of messages. So for example, just, I'll just take one of them, which is be safe. So what, what does that actually mean? Because the reality, so, so there's also an implication, there's what's called the message behind the message. So when you're told by someone as you're leaving the house, you know, be safe, there's almost an implication of, well, normally you're completely reckless and, and you go about behaving really dangerously and putting yourself and other people at risk, which is complete and utter nonsense, of course. Um, we, are, as human beings, are actually hardwired for safety. We're not hardwired for happiness. We're actually hardwired for safety. So we're well able, most of the time, to be able to assess the risks that are going on and be able to behave according to that risk. But when you're constantly given this message of be safe, be safe, it's like suddenly the brain goes, 
okay, I, I can see and I can hear and I can feel what's going on, but I'm being told there's this invisible danger. So now I have to be on hyper alert, which of course activates the amygdala and makes us into you know, more stress mode. And that, so that message is not very specific. It's just a very ambiguous, very vague statement. And the implication is that actually you're not safe. So to, in order to have to make that conscious effort to be safe, it means that you're not safe. So that's a very dangerous thing to constantly be telling people because the reality is we're probably not paying attention to other things then as a result of that, what things that actually would be really good for us and would help us to connect and to be kind and to, you know, be really compassionate towards each other and actually see each other as, as human beings. So language is incredibly powerful. So that's kind of drilling down and going, well, you know, what, what's that? Well, what exactly do you mean by that? The other one is actually to go up and to go, okay, so if this is the, uh, a message that's being conveyed and they know art, that they have designed this artfully to create this panic and this, this fear and to keep it going, what would be the purpose? So this is actually one of the things that we often do in NLP is actually go above the problem. We don't just sit in it and try to figure out, well, why? Why is this going on? We actually go, okay, so if that is happening, what is the purpose? What is actually going on? So, of course, my brain's been on fire since all of this has started um, with these questions, because that's what I do when I, when I listen to somebody and I don't understand what they're saying. Specifically, I want to go, well, what exactly does that mean? And then if I do find out what that means, I'll go, OK, so well, what was the purpose of saying that then? What were they hoping to gain? What's the, what's the long term outcome uh, that these phrases are actually designed uh, you know, to achieve? So words are incredibly powerful and most of us are not trained to really listen uh, to the language patterns that are actually going on um, and to each other even. We just make assumptions. There's an awful lot of assumptions being made. Yeah, big time for sure. So in terms of um, one, of the, one of the many concepts in NLP, I think I had Tony Robbins talk about it first, for me at least, years and years ago. He says there's, there's uh, two ways of um, approaching things, either towards something or you're moving away from it um in terms of whether you want to achieve when you're trying to achieve something could you talk to that a little bit in terms of the context of what we're in now absolutely and i really was thinking about this before the call um because i think a lot of i, I was wondering i was kind of looking at the the level of anger you know that that's around so it's not just fear we've got a lot of anger as well um, from people who are very very fearful anger and frustration and it's very much directed at at other people and I believe that I believe we're all on the same side to be honest whether you're pro mask or anti mask whether you're pro lockdown or anti lockdown or you know just you want to do the social distancing and you don't the reality is actually the outcome for all of us is the same we're all trying to get back to normality we're trying to get back to the old the original normal not not this oh that's another you know very clever use of language the new normal is that this is not well none of this is normal I don't think anyone could possibly disagree with me on that one None of this is normal. None of this is being human. We've gone through a very, very rapid change very quickly, which tends to happen much, much quicker if we are in fear. So moving away from, moving away means that what we're trying to do is we're trying to move away from the consequences of something. So we're acting and we're behaving in a way to try to avoid, um, you know, failing at something. So often what's, what's going on, a lot of people are, are really struggling with this because they just think if everyone just complies, if everyone just does as they're told, we're going to be able to get back to the new normal. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get away from where they are and to go, and to go backwards and they think it's by complying. 
And of course, what we're seeing is more and more and more, you know, crazy rules, things that don't make sense, they're completely, you know, illogical. So a much better way to maybe approach this is to say, okay, look, first of all, we can never go backwards anyway, even with the best will in the world, we can't go back in history, we can't go back in time, we're always moving forward anyway. So let's look at, okay, well, what, where, where are we actually going? What's the actual goal? And this is, I think, deliberately as well being done, which is that there's no exit strategy from any of these rules. It's just away from, it's just saying, if you do this, then you're going to avoid getting sick or making somebody else ill. So they're not actually saying, okay, we're going to do this for two weeks and that's it. And then this is the, you know, we had these exit strategies, this kind of, you know, roadmap that we were told, but they've gone off that and they're, they're, you know, this is an island. They're not, they're not really following it, to be honest. Um, and they set everybody up with this expectation. Everybody, you know, was getting ready. And then, you know, they were kind of knocking it out of, from underneath, underneath people's feet. So without having a goal, without having something to actually work towards, people start to get really anxious. And when we're feeling uncertain and, and you know, we don't know what to do, we start to go again into that stress mode. And the stress mode is we have fight and flight are the two most common reactions to stress. So people are either frightened and trying to run away from something, you know, and just let's just 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 do this or angry and come on. If everyone just does this, we can all get back there. Um, and then, of course, we've got freeze. We've got some people who are just completely paralyzed with this. They're, they're not even leaving their homes and they are really suffering. And I just read an article just this morning and it was saying this uh, it was one of the states in America and they actually had double the amount of people dying at home from heart attacks than they did who actually died of, of the virus. You know, so this massive fear uh, is, is driving people in, in a very wrong direction, I believe. So towards would be things like, well, what can we actually do ourselves? So how can we bring this, you know, all that stuff out there is beyond our response, beyond our control. So we just need to, again, bring the locus of control back inside ourselves. So for ourselves, what would be a really good goal to start working towards? So as you all know, Danny, you know, being healthy, you know, looking after your actual physical health, eating really well, exercising, sleeping as well as possible, which of course, if you're stressed, is very difficult. So these are things that, that we can start moving towards, you know, really um, looking at how we can take care of ourselves, as they say on the plane, I know most people haven't been on a plane for a while, uh, but you know, they say, put your, ox your own oxygen mask on first. And uh, we're getting a very different message at the moment. What they're saying is, uh, you know, don't put the oxygen mask on, put, a, put a, a mask that stops you from breathing effectively because you need to look after everybody else. And that's such a huge responsibility. And it makes people very anxious and nervous because it's not in their control. So you need to just go, well, if I look after myself, if I'm as healthy as possible, if I'm as well as possible, if I'm as kind as possible, if I'm as happy as possible, I'm giving myself the best chance to be well and to be able to fight whatever I I have to deal with, you know, um, from a health point of view. And that is actually going to have a ripple effect. That's going to actually help people much, much more uh, than trying to kind of hide away and, and act from a very uh, negative point of view. So true on, on pretty much everything you said there. Now, in this, um, these crazy times that we're in, there's a very real sense of grief, um, both in terms of loss of you know, being able to go out whenever you want and see family and whatnot. And in some cases, for some people, sadly, real grief, loss of loved ones and stuff like that. There's various different cycles of grief, isn't there? What, what, what would they be? There is. This is from a, a woman called Kubler-Ross. And um, there's essentially, it's, just, it's a cycle. So 
that there are five kind of parts to it and, and we can go through this once, we can go through many times. I know for me personally, um, I've cycled through these five emotions over and over and over and over again for the last few months because we're all human and we've all lost something or somebody in some way, shape or form. So we are, we are going through a grieving process actually as a, as a species, I suppose, really, as a collective consciousness that we've lost something really huge. And, and it's, sometimes it's like, well, what, what is that? And it can be very kind of hard to put our fingers on. So the five stages, um, they start off with denial. You know, this, this, is not, no, this is not happening, what? You know, and we're very confused and we're trying to then just go, no, 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 I don't even want to think about this. And we, we just try and avoid it. And I think there's a lot of people still in the denial phase, to be honest, um, because they're just going, no, it'll be fine. It'll all just work, you know, I'll just, just keep my head down. I'll just get on with what I have to do and it, it'll all gonna blow over. So there are a lot of people might be stuck actually in that phase. And then, we, then when we suddenly go, actually, this is real. This is actually happening. We start to get really angry because we've had the control completely taken away from us. You know, we've had a lot of our free will and our freedom of, of lots of things, not just of movement um, and to be able to do the things that make life worth living, um, but also a free speech to be able to just speak openly about this um, without being jumped on and people arguing. And I think that that ability, I think for me, the biggest grief is the ability to have a a normal debate uh, and discussion with people without that fear of, of you know being policed you know by our fellow citizens you know, the citizens are doing the job of the police they don't need to you know we're on the same side here we're all aiming for the same thing we all want to get out of this we don't need to be policing each other we need to be helping each other so that anger you know is very much about frustration and of course that that's also part of anxiety as well and then the next phase is bargaining you know it's like okay well look if if this is just for a all right all right i'll do it if it's just for a couple of weeks okay all right and then as long as we can are we, are we going to be allowed out after that okay all right then if that's the case so we kind of bargain and it's you know it's a lot of things you know people might be bargaining you know if they're religious with god saying look i'll be really good i promise i'll be really good uh, and uh, just reward me then you know that way so it's about kind of and i think that's the thing as well it's like look i'm all right all right i don't want to wear a mask but i'll wear it because and as long as then you're going to let me, you know, let us all out of this situation after. So there's a lot of kind of bargaining that goes on with ourselves, with our higher beings, you know, whatever that is, and with each other. And then when that's not working, we go into a state of depression. And I actually saw a, a Twitter thread just there. And a lot of people were just talking about, you know, what do you call this state of complete and utter sadness and depression and just hopelessness and helplessness. And that's really, really common because it's like a, the things you're, you're trying to do are not working. You suddenly just well, what's the point? Let's just kind of give up. And that's a very dangerous point, obviously, because for some people, they don't realize that it's only temporary. They, you know, no one stays down forever. There's no, all emotions are waves. You know, we go through the, that's why it's, you know, it's, it's a cycle. They are waves. They're not gonna, they don't start suddenly at a high point and just continue to grow and grow and grow. They start and they grow and they'll always reach a peak and then, and then we'll get off the bottom, you know, the other side of it. So understanding that is really important that it, just breathe through it, you know, just go, okay, look, and, and name it. They've actually found that if you name an emotion, you know, a negative emotion, it's actually easier to deal with it. If you're just feeling bad and you don't know what that bad feeling is, it's, it's so vague and it's so big, again, it's a little bit unwieldy. Whereas if you just say, do you know, what? I'm feeling really sad today. I am actually feeling, you know, yeah, I've kind of lost something here and just accept it, just accept it's being human, male or female, doesn't matter, you know, there's no, there's no uh, monopoly on, on who can have what kind of emotions. This is really, really typical. 
And after that, actually, then there's a state of acceptance. And when we kind of go, okay, look, all right, this is not, to me, acceptance is not giving in. It's not saying, oh, well, what can we do? I mean, I hear this expression an awful lot, what can we do? And to me, it's like, well, actually, you can do a lot. Um, but there's a huge power in one. It just takes one person to make a stand to help another one person to, to understand things differently, to see them differently, to be kind, to be able to support each other in this. There's two of you now you can go and do, and you know, and, and I can have this as a new R rate instead of having a reproduction rate for the virus, we can have a, I'd like to call it the, uh, the A rate, you know, the awakening rate. <laughs> How many people can you help to just come out of that, this kind of stu this fear, stupor, this kind of sedation that we're under, this hypnotic, um, you know, trance that, that, that is being, you know, constantly bombarded, the messages, the, the yellow signs, you know, the and public announcements, the radio, the TV, you know, the news, you know, everywhere, it's everywhere, you know, you can't, can't escape from it, really. You know, so how do we help people come out of this stupor and just bring their focus and attention back to the present moment to themselves, help themselves be really, really well, mentally, emotionally, you know, and physically. So when we, when we get to that point of going, okay, look, this is the way things are right now. How do we get out of this? You know, what are, what's a plan? What is a new way forward? And when we do that and we're in a calmer state, our brain actually functions much better. We can actually start to think more logically and actually use our, our cognitive processing in a very, very different way. Because that hippocampus, that learning organ, only functions when we're calm, only functions when we're in a really good state. It does it function at you know, 100%. And, you know, something new else can come out and you go right through the whole thing again. You're like, no, 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 I don't believe it. And then you get angry and then you're bargaining. So, you know, I think, I don't think I'm alone here in the sense that I think a lot of people have been going through. I had a great expression that the Corona coaster. Uh, yes, good. I thought that was a brilliant expression because it is, you'll suddenly feel like you're just on this emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, and I, you know, everyone I think just wants to just get off it. I think we just want, you know, we're getting very fatigued, we're getting very tired with this. But it's really important that people realize that acceptance is not taking everything lying down. It's not about saying, okay, well, these crazy illogical decisions, what can we do? It's like, no, okay, all right, look. I can't control everybody and everything. I can, I can help myself. I can help my immediate family. I can help my friends. Let's all, you know, become, become united because of the old expression, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. So for me, it's very much about changing the messaging to, you know, think for yourself. Be healthy. As, be as healthy as you can. Take care of your health and be kind and compassionate to each other. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, a lot of people, because they're in a state of fear, ask, often ask the question, why is this happening to me? Why is this happened to us? You know, the, from the perspective of victimhood, really, what's a more revo a resourceful state or a, re a resourceful way of thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know, for, again, from my for my own person, I can only talk from my personal experience anyway, no one can talk about it from anyone else's. But the question why I'd say is probably the most common question that we actually ask. Um, and the problem with why, so for example, if you said to a government minister, you know, um, you know, why are you insisting on masks? And they'll then come up with all of their evidence as to, you know, why, you know, the story, 
this is the story of masks and, and you know so you say to someone why aren't you wearing a mask and you know they'll they'll come up with their evidence because there's always evidence you know as people say well I'm, I'm trusting the science it's like the science doesn't exist there is no such thing as the science because science is the pursuit of knowledge in a particular way that's it and it's always changing and it's not fixed and it's not right or wrong there's it's you know, I, even medicine, if you think about it, why when you go to a second doctor, do you, is it a second opinion? Whereas the first one, it's a diagnosis. Why isn't it just a first opinion? Because that's basically, you know, all it is. So the question why really just gets us a little bit too much into the story. And the story will just be argued back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. OK, so there are I think I sort of mentioned it earlier. There are basically two ways to look at something. And to me, when I hear something and it doesn't make sense to me, I'll go, well, what specifically does that mean? I want to be able to drill down. I sometimes go down a lot of rabbit holes, in fairness, um, but I want to be able to really understand, well, what exactly does that mean when they, when they say that? And I, I'm, I'm looking to educate myself to understand that statement. And it, once I, if I've understood it, I'm going, okay, well, that statement still doesn't make sense. To me, then it's okay, well, what's the purpose of that? And that's for yourself even you know you just go okay so I'm, I'm feeling really anxious and worried okay but well, what's the purpose of being anxious and worried everything has a purpose if you just kind of go oh I'm anxious and worried and you're trying to get out of it like well why and then you can explain why because of all the story that doesn't help actually just makes you more anxious because now you're, you're kind of compounding it you're talking about the story so for me it's very much about saying okay so being anxious and worried the purpose is in order to be safe in order to know you know where where is safety where is danger and then I can say, okay, so where is it specifically? You know, when I'm looking around, what's actually going on? And that's ultimately for me, because I have children, it's also to be able to protect them and make sure that they're okay. So a better question is, what's the purpose? or what's the intention? Or what is this doing for me? So those types of questions kind of take you out of where you are in the story and look at, well, what's, what's really behind this? What am, I, what am I looking to do? And you can even ask it about other people's behavior. You can, you know, a lot of people getting very into, you know, calling each other names, you know, which is not very useful, um, you know, back and forth. It's just to insult each other doesn't, there's no communication then at all. It's just, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, so for me, when someone is, is complying and, and going along with the rules and, and they're very fearful, I'll just, in my head, I'll go, well, what's the, what's, you know, what is that doing for them? And for them, it's giving them a sense of certainty and security, you know, so I can't argue with that. So I can't dismiss that. Um, and it's the same on the other side as well. It's when people are saying, no, I'm not doing this and I'm not going to put my health at risk. It's for exactly the same reason. If we actually, it's called chunking up actually, if you get, if you've got everybody in a room who has all different opinions and you aren't, you kept asking this question, we'd all end up in the same place. We would all realize we're actually on the same side, you know, and uh, it's really, really important to remember that. So, so the language is trying to divide us. The language is deliberately confusing. It's deliberately, you know, one minute is this, it's the next, next minute is that. You know, and even something as ambiguous as the science, uh, you know, that we're following this thing that's that doesn't not a thing at all. You know, it's not you can't put it into a wheelbarrow. You can't put the science. <laughs> you can't stick it on your shelf. Uh, it's not actually a tangible thing. It's what's called a nominalization. It's a very high level word and it has a lot of information inside of it. Um, so that's very confusing. It's very misleading. Uh, and we just have to be very careful. And I think just people just becoming aware of the language, you know, and, and one of the things that the last couple of days has occurred to me that I think is very cruel, actually, and very unfair, is that it's all about protect the vulnerable. And if you're over 65, and are you in the vulnerable group? And if you think about it, the message behind that message, this messaging, 
is that older people are a burden. The older people are somehow, you know, they're, they're stopping the fun of the younger people. They're stopping their children and their grandchildren's lives from, from carrying on, you know, and that they can't think for themselves that we all have to take care of them. Well, I have parents who are well into their seventies and uh, they don't need anyone to look after them. They are, you know, my mom is pretty feisty and she travels all over the Sorry, my internet dropped out. <laughs> the wonders of technology. Um, so I was saying about my mum, you know, she travels all over the world and, you know, she, she has no fear. She, she lived in Baghdad for 10 years in the 70s. You know, she's been through an awful lot. She doesn't need someone to say to her, now, there, there, dear, you know, we're going to put you in a room by yourself to make sure that you stay alive biologically. You know, she's going to tell people where to go. If <laughs> and my dad, well, he's even, you know, he's even feistier. So you've got a lot of people who, who are not frail, senile individuals. I mean, that, and I think there's this horrible messaging around them. And I think, you know, those people in that age bracket who are more than capable of standing up for themselves and making their own decisions and making their own risk assessments, you know, we need to hear from them too, because we're making this, all of these uh, uh, measures are being put in place supposedly to protect them. And the reality is, you know, they, they can make their own decisions. They can, they can put their own things in place to, to protect themselves if they choose to. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It, it has been made all about that. I mean, I went to Dublin recently and there's a lot of, there is around the world, but I noticed it particularly when I got off the, the plane in the airport and there's, you mentioned the, the color yellow. I mean, when you see a sign, a toxic sign or a dangerous sign, it's always yellow and black typically, isn't it? And that was the, that was the, the color scheme, if you like. And one thing that really struck me, it says, please wear a mask to show other people that you care. I thought that's an interesting use of language. Yeah. Guilt tripping people into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really. Yeah, I mean, I got into a very interesting discussion uh, on Twitter because I, I, I um, you know, my position is very clear. I will not wear a mask because um, I don't believe that I'm uh, harming anybody else. And uh, it's not good for me. I had a, I, it makes me feel very claustrophobic. I have a very uh, strong reaction to it. And um, this woman, you know, I just sort of mentioned it, that I haven't worn one. And this woman on Twitter doesn't know me, um, immediately said, well, I would have come and said something to you. You know, when we got into this thing and I was like, and I wasn't being rude to her and I, I'm very careful not to be rude to anybody because again, I understand we're all actually on the same side. And if we're rude, we're, we're actually breaking communication down. We're not building it. We're not opening it up at all. And she just said, but I'm a really caring person. And I said, I'm sure you are. And I said, and so am I, you know, I've spent 18 years helping people with depression, with anxiety. I've talked people, you know, down from suicide ideation, you know, out of that I've, I've helped teens with you know, self-harmers. Um, you know, I had PTSD, um, you know, previously, you know, the list is endless in terms of the thousands of people that I have helped. This is my life's work now. I will never do anything else other than just help people, you know. So for someone to accuse me of not caring because I won't wear, I've got one here, don't know why it's here, one of these, and I think it's very appropriately called a nappy on your face, you know, um, is, to, is, is to really make a huge assumption um, about people and I think we're very we're really in danger of, of labeling people it's like this kind of very divisive um, situation that's going on and uh, you know when I explained to her you know what I've actually been doing for 18 years and I have children and I have nephews and nieces and I have parents and in-laws you know I've got a very uh, extended family and everyone's well thank god um, 
you know, I just said, of course, if, if I genuinely believed, I'm not doing this because I'm selfish. You know, I, I've done the research. I've looked into it. I am following the most credible sources and the, mo and the biggest amount of sources to find out, you know, what is the evidence, you know, for and against. And there's just, and we know from countries around the world, they're not doing it because they've done the same thing. So for me, it's saying, well, if there's huge evidence that asymptomatic people are not passing it on, which we now know from China uh, in particular, um, and WHO said it at the beginning, then they very quickly retracted it. It's quite interesting to, to listen to the language patterns of the WHO, I have to say. Um, and we know that um, basically masks don't work and in actual fact that cloth masks, the homemade ones are, are potentially worse, making things much, much worse. Um, for me, I am being in a much more caring situation by being a young, healthy person, I'm going to go out there and I'm quite happy to catch it uh, if, it's, if it's out, if it's even still out there, because it's my duty as a young person to help with that population immunity. Um, it's really, really important, us all carrying away, you know, as we go into the autumn, schools are going to hopefully open back up, you know, that's when colds and everything else go around. This, these, these are natural things that happen, you know, year in, year out. We've never done any of this before. Um, for me, you know, we have to, to just be careful of these messages that we're getting because, as I said, people are being hypnotized into this fear um, stupor, you know, where, where they're not really thinking, they're not really asking questions. And I just go, just ask yourself some of the questions, you know. And one of the biggest ones is if this disease, if this virus is the most deadly on the planet and, and, and everything else, and we're being encouraged to wear these things, why are there no bio hazard bins anywhere? Because these, if you're breathing into this for six or seven hours a day, or you're on a 12 hour shift and you've got one on, you know, to just take it off and stick it in your pocket or your handbag and go to a petrol station and then touch a pump and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and that's just not happening. So we just even ask a very simple question, you know, what, what exactly is going on here? Um, instead of why, because the why we're not going to get a very good answer to. So I don't know if I answered your question there, it kind of went off on a tangent. Well, it tends to happen. <laughs> you did, absolutely. So we've, we've covered quite a lot of ground today, haven't we? Um, I know you're really, really busy. So thank you so much for taking out the time to, uh, to spend with us on the THT podcast, Sarah. It's much appreciated. Danny, my absolute pleasure. Good stuff. So for those people that want to reach out to you and learn a bit more about you, where's the best place to find you online, Sarah? Um, they can follow me on Twitter if they like. So it's at Sarah Habubi and then the number one. Um, if they want to contact me directly and have a chat with me, more than welcome to email me. And that is uh, sarah at quantumleaps.ie. Uh, so that's like the program Quantum Leap, but with the S at the end, and then, uh, you know, .ie. So I have a website as well, which is quantumleaps.ie. Uh, you know, um, yeah, so I'm more than happy to talk to people and to um, just give them, if they're looking for, just for some advice as to, you know, what they can be doing to, to help. I've actually got a few podcasts as well that are on Facebook. Um, I did something called the breathing space. So Danny, you were very kindly on it twice yourself. Uh, and just to give people some really practical, real tools for, for reducing stress. Because for me, that's the number one thing. If we can reduce the fear and the stress, we can start thinking clearly again. And that, that's absolutely key for all of us. Very, very true. So thanks again. And uh, we'll uh, speak soon, yeah? Cheers. Thanks, Danny. You're welcome. You've been listening to the THT podcast with myself, Dr. Danny Scarhill. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or any one of the other outlets where we stream. Like us on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash 
Total Health Transformation. You can also find more information about myself on my website, dannyscarhill.com, where you'll find lots of fantastic information and some free products for you as well. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. All the best. You've been listening to Dr. Danny Scarhill on the Total Health Transformation Podcast, helping you to eat, move and think on purpose. See you on our next episode.